Welcome to the Fatty Z Muskie Podcast. I'm Andy. Uh, joining us soon should be Vance Todd and Jim Sarek. Uh, just to be respectful of Jim's time, I'm going to pre-record the uh, plugs, at least on the AZ side. So, you got me uh, for the time being. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by Fat AZ Muskie Products. FatAZMuskie.com is the website. Website is pretty good, up to date. Still no baits. Um, I really don't have too many baits to really put up. So, um, if there is something you're looking for, reach out uh, through one of our social media platforms, uh, Facebook and Instagram. Uh, check those out. The uh, you know rod holders, pretty pretty good right now. Uh, setting up on them, um, but. Other than that, you know, if you got a boat set up, please reach out. You know, I've been talking to a lot of people as of recently, getting their boat set up for, uh, you know, falls just around the corner. You know, the fall fatties, you know, you get the catchphrases. And, um, you know, uh, I will uh, gladly um, lend advice, even if it means not using our own products. Uh, have been getting a little creative lately with some supply chain stuff with uh, various, you know, boats predominantly like tracker boats, Alumacraft and Lunds that have that built-in gunnel. But there's ways around all that. So um, I've seen a lot of it and we can come up with uh, uh, the solution that fits you best, I should pretty much say. Um, in terms of baits, look at Muskie Tackle Online and Team Rhino Outdoors. Switching over to Muddy Creek Fishing Guides, mcfishingguides.com. If uh, you're in and around the Chautauqua area and you want to hook up with Vance or Todd, uh, reach out to them, Muddy Creek Fishing Guides on Facebook and Instagram and um, their website. Uh, as far as I know, I'm speaking out of turn here, but I know that they're pretty booked up, but I'd still reach out because you never know. You might be able to slide in. There's always cancellations, so uh, be sure to uh, look them up if you're in the area. And you want to go out and uh, try to hook into a nice muskie. Uh, you'll be fishing out of Ranger boats. Big thanks to Ranger for supporting Muddy Creek and this podcast. Um, Ranger boats, I mean, still building legends one at a time or one at a time. I got that messed up, but um, you kind of know it. We've been talking about Rangers for years. I love mine. Um, I really like looking at it, I should say. Vance and Todd, they're in theirs every day. So, um just another little perk, you know, you go out, you, you pay your money to go fishing for that, uh, fish of a lifetime. And, you know, it's, it's really nice to, uh, sit in nice new equipment. You can kind of see and feel, and it's a big learning experience and you can kind of see how layouts work to be the most efficient. So, uh, the Ranger Angler series with Vance and Todd are fishing out of that. That is, uh, that is really slick how they have their set up. You'll also be using St. Croix rods. Best rods on earth, St. Croix rods. Who hasn't heard of St. Croix? They're in many of the big retailers that you can walk up, you know, grab the rod, give it a good shake, look down it, see how it balances in your hand, and uh, they have a rod for just about anything that swims. So big thanks to St. Croix rods. Uh, Boat-wise, kind of jumping back, Vix Marine and Sports Center. That's in Kent, Ohio. That's where Vance and Todd get their boats. That's where they get them serviced. Um, these are fishermen setting up fishing boats. This isn't the normal, hey, we have a marina. We sell some ski boats, some pontoon boats, and, uh, you know, just some other fishing boats. But we really don't know what we're doing setting up fishing-wise. These are guys that um, have made their living fishing and boating they kind of know what they're talking about. They're up on all the latest stuff. So um, check out Vix Marine. New boats, used boats, and, uh, you know, tell them that Andy from Fat AZ sent you. Then, uh, you know, another thing. In fact, all three of our boats have in common is Aqua Traction. Um, Aqua Traction, if I just say that, you might not really know what it is, but it is a... For layman's terms, it's a foam flooring. This is not just any foam. This is closed cell polyethylene. The closed cell is great because it doesn't absorb water. And that means it dries quicker. It cleans up really nice. It is fantastic. It, it 
offers enough cushion and grip that it reduces fatigue and it it just looks great day in and day out and you can find yours if you're in our area at amf marine contact nick at amfmarine.com that is nick's website he is our local dealer if you're in and around the pennsylvania ohio market uh if you're not be sure to check out aqua traction and look for a local dealer in your area but also follow their stuff on uh social media their instagram it's some really neat stuff just how they do it but you know basically you're going to get a boat that is the boat flooring i should say that is kind of fit to your style you get to have choices on colors and layouts and lines and patterns and it's really really slick they're making it to your boat and uh they've got a great warranty and far as i'm concerned they are the best in the business uh if you need to replace your boat flooring don't replace it with carpet don't replace it with vinyl definitely before you do anything check out aqua traction and um i'm gonna say i think i i think i've hit them all i'm gonna go ahead and pause this and i'm gonna try to get everyone round up and uh i'll be right back all right i'm back i got vance hi vance good evening i have todd hi todd I'm here. Hello, guys. Hello. And we got Jim Sarek. Hi, Jim. Hey, how's everybody doing? I'm, I'm sweating really bad from all these technical difficulties. <laughs> uh, as of right now, we've got everybody. But um, anyways, Jim, uh, hit up hit up where people can find you. Well, I mean, I think the easiest way you could either, you know, muskyhuntertv.com is one way to find out, keep track of what I'm doing and on all the different social media channels, whether it be Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, you can follow and keep track of what's happening from there. That's probably the easiest way, I would say. Okay. Yeah, social media makes makes this stuff pretty easy. But um, all right, Jim. So generally, when we have a guest, we we kind of start off with, uh, you know, let, let's let's hear a little bit of history. How did you get into fishing? You know, start where you want and kind of end it you know, as of today kind of thing. And we'll interrupt where we feel necessary. Sure, sure. You know, I really got into it when I was in about seventh or eighth grade. My parents, uh, we, uh, I, I live uh, in a, a northern suburb of Chicago, but I grew up south of Chicago, about 30 miles. And, and my parents bought a home, a summer home in northern Wisconsin. And so we started spending a, a large amount of time during the summers up there fishing. My dad was really into fishing. And, and so we, you know, we had neighbors and friends and we walleye fished and bass fished and different stuff and pike fished. And, um, you know, it's interesting. You know, met all these family friends up or friends up in Northern Wisconsin and you would have dinners together and this and that. But when it came to sharing fishing information, it's like, nah, that's kind of a taboo subject. We're not really going to talk about it. And, uh, but you know, my dad and I loved to fish. So we kept trying. I'm like, all right, well, we're going to keep doing this on our own. And then one time I went into one of the tackle shops up there and I picked up a fishing facts magazine and I'm like, dad, we need to get this magazine. I want to read it. He's like, sure. He goes, anything to get a, you know, seventh grader to keep reading. Why not? Right. So <laughs> I read, read a bass article. And I tried it on my lake and it worked. I'm like, wow. And I read a pike article and I tried it and it worked. And I'm like, all right, yeah, we got to get this magazine. This stuff is really working. And so I was just reading stuff, getting into it, talking to my dad about it. We were, we got in, we were just trying to catch fish, doing different ways. And my dad was really into musky fishing and not really musky catching, but we were into musky fishing quite a bit at the time. You know, <laughs> I'm we, good at that too. All, Right. Yeah. It was all, it was one of those things where back then, you know, it, this was in the settling you know, or mid to late seventies. It was just like, did how many, everyone's talking about how many did you see? Oh, I saw three, I saw four. And if someone caught one, it was a huge celebration, right? It didn't happen all the time. People would catch them and cut their heads off and nail the head to the garage door. <laughs> it was just a whole different time. And, uh, but I really liked it because it was so much more active right here pull up to a spot, you're casting for 10, 15, 20 minutes, maybe a half hour, go to another spot. I, I liked it way more than walleye fishing or bass fishing, although I did all those things because everybody did those things when you were doing it. So I, I really liked musky fishing, and we didn't catch any. And then finally, uh, on July 3rd at 1210, 
1976, <laughs> I caught my first one on a daredevil. And, uh, yeah. and that was it for me. It was a 36 incher, nothing real special at the time. It was hugely special because it was my first fish and it was crazy. And, um, my mom was screaming. She was in the boat with us. My dad was there. It was all great. And we had finally caught one and it just, we just, I just got hooked on it from there where I really, really enjoyed doing it more. And then when I was in high school, I met other friends that fished and, and we had a common, common bond doing that. And I kept musky fishing. And then literally by the time I was about a junior in high school, I went on a bus trip to Eagle Lake, me and my dads and my friends and their dads with Spence Petros from, who was the editor of Fishing Facts Magazine. And so I met Spence up there and he was really into musky fishing back then being at the time of Fishing Facts. Again, this was before musky hunter existed. There was no internet, right? You just had fishing facts and then fishermen and a handful of musky articles, maybe one or two a year. And I'm fishing with, and I got a chance to fish with Spence, musky fishing. And he thought I was some crazy, I was just some crazy high school kid that was totally into it. And um, we saw a bunch of muskies and got into it and kind of became friends early on then because he saw I was so into musky fishing. And then uh, when I was in northern Wisconsin, I also met one of my neighbors on the lake had a friend. His name was Joe Booker, which uh, people know, <laughs> who was on a different lake. And so he was friends with Joe. And he's like, my, my friend Eddie, who was teaching my dad and I a lot about muskie, just like, you need to go fish with Joe Booker and learn from him, too. He's really, really good. So my dad and I hired Joe out for a day of walleye fishing and then a day of muskie fishing when I was a junior in high school. And and we when we went muskie fishing, my dad and I and Joe hit it off really well. And then the next summer, when I was up there fishing, Joe had a day off. He's like, hey, Jim, what are you doing? He's like, I'm going to go check out this lake. Come on, spend the day with me. You know, Beth's going to make dinner. And so we just hit it off as, you know, as, as when I was a young kid, I basically had guys like Joe Booker and Spence Petros when I was in high school teaching me stuff about fishing, particularly muskies, that at the time was very cutting edge. And there was not a lot of information that was out there, right? Because they were both exceptional musky anglers had a lot of experience fishing different areas and different techniques and i had my own training grounds on this gin clear lake flambeau to flambeau chain of lakes that had really big muskies in it that i didn't know how to catch but i could see them <laughs> and get them to follow and so that kind of got me into musky fishing and then when i got into college i was fortunate enough to win a couple musky tournaments early on when I was in college. And then once I won two of them, when I was in college, I got approached by a company that said, Hey, Jim, you want to come work at a sports show booth and tell people about musky fishing and we'll give you a couple rods and reels. And I'm like, yes, I'm a broke college student. I definitely want it. <laughs> and uh, so I got in, so it just kind of snowballed from there, right. Where I was doing that. And, and then when I was at sports shows, the doors open for other companies back then who were, they were actually looking for, you know, guys that were in, in their 20s, right, that were younger, that were into fishing. It was a different time then. You didn't have all the social media channels or any of that stuff, again, that was there. And and so it opened – I had a lot of doors open for me with opportunities. And, and then one of my high school friends, when he got into college, started selling – ads print ads for midwest outdoors magazine and they actually had a television show and i started filming little television segments for them and fishing with guys who were advertising customers of one of my buddies and so i developed relationships with these people didn't get paid for them but it was a promotional way for me to do television segments and i knew right then that i really loved i really liked doing tv that was very fun and i always wanted to do my own musky television show because nobody had a musky show and that was kind of my passion at the time so it just kind of all started to snowball and i won a couple more tournaments and then i started fishing the walleye trail and i won a walleye tournament and it all it all started coming together where i was writing for magazines doing seminars um you know all that was happening and when I was, you know, just in college and just out of college, timing was everything with there. And at that time, you, again, you don't, you didn't have, you didn't have any of the social media that existed out there. So sports shows were different. I do a seminar to sports show and maybe have 300 to 500 people show up at a seminar. I remember sitting there watching Al Linder literally having a crowd of almost a thousand people at a seminar. It was just a huge, huge thing because you just couldn't get it. You, know, you couldn't get 
access to that information and people were just they're dying hungry for that stuff and, and hungry for it because he just didn't have it it just didn't exist it was they had a handful of sports shows in major cities that existed that were multi-species and when when people came to talk you know the fishing heroes truly at that time in the in the 70s and 80s that's it was a huge huge boom for all that it was really kind of the growth of a lot of modern musky angling and then um, as I, you know, kept evolving, I fished with Joe Booker and taught schools with him. He, in 1989, Joe and a couple of the guys started Muskie Hunter magazine. And I was one of the original field editors for Muskie Hunter. And I started writing for the magazine and doing that. And then a couple of years later, Joe started his own television show and, um, he made me editor of the magazine. And, and then a couple of years later, it got bought by somebody else and, and then in the mid nineties or early nineties, you know, next thing you know, I'm my wife, I'm telling my wife, I'm convincing my wife to buy a musky fishing magazine. And, <laughs> and how does that conversation start? It was a beautiful <laughs> thing. Well, I'm like, Hey, I go, I've been writing for this magazine. This is going to be a great deal. And she looked at me and said, you know, Jim, you know, a lot about muskies, but you don't know Jack about how to run a magazine. And I'm like, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? you know? But I know a little about the industry and all this. And I'm, you know, I'm trying to say whatever I could. She's like, but again, we know nothing about running a magazine. So anyhow, I was able to convince her to do it, to buy the magazine. And we're going to work together. We're going to do this. And literally, we bought the magazine in August of when it was 93 or 94. And, and, uh, and we bought the magazine, or maybe 97, rather. We bought the magazine then. And that fall literally like in august and and what was crazy is we bought them i bought the magazine on like a friday in august and then my dad and i fished a musky tournament that weekend i won the we together we won the musky tournament and then i came home and then two weeks later my wife and i took a class at northwestern university on magazine production and management <laughs> to learn about how to do a magazine so that's truly what happened so i, I took we took like a crash course at northwestern university about how to do it and then it just expanded. And when we had the magazine, what I wanted to do was I really, it, it had so much strength in Wisconsin and Illinois, but I wanted to find out what other guys were doing. So I, you know, wanted to, I went to, you know, Pennsylvania, New York and Ohio, and I tried to fish with some of the writers and learn from what they were doing and learn their techniques so I could get the perspective of, I knew what the fishing in a lot of the Midwest lakes in Canada was like, but I didn't know what some of the Eastern reservoirs or rivers were like. So I wanted to kind of experience that and be able to show some of those guys, some of the techniques we use and vice versa and how it all fit together. And at the same time, when we bought the magazine and doing it, the internet just kind of got rolling. And so we had at Muskie Hunter, we had the first fishing forum, right? So again, no Facebook, no Instagram. Mm -hmm. You go back in time. What did you have? You had these fishing forums that were the first vehicle, right? You'd get on the muskyhunter.com. It was a fishing forum and it was the first opportunity in the mid nineties to go and talk or communicate with people from someone from Illinois versus Pennsylvania versus New York versus Canada. And you could all communicate with one another. It was amazing. And talk muskies. And, and troll each other about muskies <laughs> and troll each other. And the problem was back then there was, it was the wild west. There was no registration. There was no email. You could say whatever you want. You could flame anybody you want, troll anybody you want. And the problem was Steve hiding, who was working with me at the time. And I, we would be, you know, you, you monitored, you check it out here, there. You'd, you'd go to bed, you'd wake up in the morning, like on a Friday night, you'd go to you'd check it, something about eight, nine o'clock. Oh, everything's fine. I'd wake up on Saturday morning and go, oh my gosh, delete, delete, <laughs> delete, <laughs> delete, because it was just yeah. like out of control. The guys would go out Friday night, right? We're all having a good time. You get into some heated debate about who's fair show. It's not that big, you know, the same old story. And the next thing you know, it's a disaster. But it was great. It was so much fun because... It, it really, really was because there was so much interaction from so many different people um, and perspectives and, and there were a lot of arguments and it was insane, but it was really fun and, uh, and, and how that evolved. And then we had the clothing and all that stuff. So the magazine really expanded 
as we got the interaction and then I tried to, my goal with the magazine was to kind of make it more national and get a chance to fish with different people and meet new anglers. And when all the musky fishing sports shows exploded around the same time in those early, early to mid nineties, then I, I made sure we took the musky hunter booth to all the sports shows. And I spoke at all the shows and met anglers from different areas to, and, and be able to fish the waters to bring that perspective and, and grow the market and grow the industry. You know, my thought was always musky fishing was too small and, and I just wanted to grow the pie larger for everybody. Right. The idea was let's get more people into sport. Let's, the more we can educate people about different techniques and what, what other waters are available, let's just share that. And, and it's going to grow and expand. And then with that, hopefully the the dnrs would would build new fisheries which they did and all that expanded and a lot of new fisheries developed during that time so it was exciting and then ultimately my goal 16 17 years ago is i always wanted to have a musky fishing television show and when we had the magazine and we had the website and the clothing and everything and then i approached my sponsors about with a pilot episode about doing the show and and all of them jumped on board because i had all these long-term relationships and then that just expanded and and totally exploded with the TV show. And I've been doing it for, you know, year 17 of the Muskie Hunter television show, fishing all across the country and fishing different times of year, doing different things. And that's kind of where I'm at, you know, to be honest with you. I was really, really fortunate in that I had a strong passion for muskies and it, I was at the right place at the right time. And, uh, and I just kept pursuing my goals and going after it and doing different things. And, and, you know, and I still love it. You know, I, I still love musky fishing, whether it be going to the fox chain by me just to catch some small ones here and there or going up to, to Canada for giants. I, you know, I'm in, you know, that's really kind of where I'm at. Man, that's, uh, <laughs> that's a great. Man, yeah, that's a cool story. And it sounds exhausting <laughs> yeah. in the last 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All running. Well, well, the whole time you've had a full time job, correct, Jim? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm a geologist by trade. So you kind of do both, do multiple yeah. careers. You know, my dad was always like, you know, you got to get a degree, you got to go to college, you got to have a real job, and then do the fishing and make it all work. And so, yeah, it was a lot of burning the candle from both ends, doing a mm -hmm. lot of that, trying to manage everything, which is great. I've been very fortunate to be able to do that, you know, and do everything yeah. on both, on both ends. Yeah. You know, a lot of a lot of days without sleep here and there you know yeah. like that's just all part of the deal which is all good but it was a, you know it's a, there was a lot of fun people in the industry that i've met throughout the years and you know and now with the tv show i've had the opportunity to fish with a lot of friends of mine that are a lot many of them are guides many of them are just fish all the time and see a lot of changes throughout um all the different techniques have changed so many techniques have changed so many equipment so much equipment has changed um waters have you know i've seen i've seen waters that were that i fished and, and i like to explore new waters that's one of my favorite personal things to do is go find lake x x right mm -hmm. and i mm -hmm. have done that for years and always can continue to do it i still have those lakes in canada and places like that that i can still fish but that not many people are on but you know i've, I've watched and, and particularly at the internet i've seen these these lakes come and go where they're gone, you know, when, yeah. and yeah. Um, that when I started fishing, you know, 16, 17 years ago, I started the television show. There are lakes that I could count on getting a show done in April and in May and in early June. And they were automatic. I, you know, I'd catch, you know, mm -hmm. I'm going to catch a bunch of, bunch of muskies. I'm going to roll into like Lake Shelbyville in the middle of Illinois. A lot of the guys fished the PMTT remembered that lake and it was an automatic. I could roll in at 10 in the morning and by five at night, I'm going to have, four to six muskies and leave there and go down to another lake and go do another show and your those foot, things just footage yeah yeah don't doesn't happen anymore right those yeah. fisheries have yeah. changed you know where you know you're lucky to fish three days to catch one or two so it's it, it definitely has changed so. yeah and you, you so you mentioned steve so steve hiding was involved for a long time too i mean, I mean he just retired <laughs> from being the editor uh, <laughs> yeah that, that was i mean i can't remember i saw the number many years yeah yeah i mean I, I mean my i own the magazine my wife and i owned it for 21 years and, okay and he he was on he was brought on probably a couple years before that and then he and then it was three and a half years ago i sold so probably like 26 years i believe he, yeah um yeah that he was the managing editor of the magazine and we become really yeah. good friends it was great to work with i mean 
total professional, phenomenal angler, yeah. but also just, you know, trained in journalism, understands all that, how to work with yeah. printers, how to do her thing. And so that, that made my life, I mean, he made my life really, really easy. Really, yeah. Um, yeah. So did the other people I work with, but he, when, he made when, it really easy. When you first reached out, when we first met, you know, back in the late nineties, you mm -hmm. came to that, came to Pittsburgh. Cause like you said, you were going, yeah. going and promoting, you came to that Pittsburgh show, you met, you know, Dale and I were standing there talking and we were talking and I, I can't remember if my first article was like 99 or 2001, but I didn't have a computer. And I know, I know I hand, you hand, hand wrote it, hand wrote it, send it. And with a couple of pictures, <laughs> I remember you call, we would talk on the phone because we didn't have the, uh, the, the, the computer like, really, you don't have a computer. <laughs> I, <laughs> We got to type this in. <laughs> That's the way I'm writing it. <laughs> so you, you actually yeah. took pen to paper and a stamp. It was, pen to, it was pen to paper, and I would send them to Steve, and he would uh, have to enter all, enter them all in. I didn't meet Steve for a long time, but I met him. He's like, oh, it's nice to put a face to a name. And I was, See like, these calluses? <laughs> we probably, yeah, I mean, he, he probably didn't want to see you because he's like, oh, I'm from Pennsylvania. He's like, he's like, he's like, he's like <laughs> That's right. the guy that sends me stuff on a on on yellow uh on uh, that, that yellow yellow lined paper. Yeah. paper. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. He lives That's by the a, truth. He's in a trailer down by the river. That's right. <laughs> That's the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hey, uh, I've I've got a question uh, for you, Jim. Going back to uh, when you initially had like all this footage where things were automatic. Um, you obviously talked about you saw changes and in the lakes and you couldn't go back to these spots and, you know, get all your footage for an episode in one day. But how did you transition after that? Were you like, I have to get out of here. I have to go other places. Um, yeah. Yeah. Good. Really good question. No, I think that's part of it. It's like, and, and it's not just, you know, I tell people this in a lot of my seminars, it's not just about doing television shows. It's kind of that same mentality where, you know, I'm a, I'm a big detail guy and I keep stats on how many fish I catch and where I go. I've caught, I've got a log of every muskie I caught and when I've caught them. And I, I'm a big proponent of all that because it also, what happens is when you start fishing a lake and you, you, and let's say you fished a lake that not many people have been on and you kind of get used to doing it. And all of a sudden you go from having, oh, there's one or two muskie boats to 10 or 20 and, and then they're always there and you go from catching a bunch of muskies to, you know, okay, am I going to get a bite or two every day? And you start living the memories of, okay, well, what happened before? You know, how come I'm not doing this? Because other guys are catching them, right? I mean, it's just the reality of it. Or, and, and you also have a certain delayed mortality that can occur because you've got more angling pressure, all these factors come together that you in your mind, you've got to start thinking, we need a plan B. We need to go somewhere else, right? You either need to fish differently like if you're a caster and you need to troll or you do different stuff to get them to bite or different times or, you know, in many cases, you just got to start looking for other waters. What's nearby? Um, what what other waters that you want to go fish? And so you got to do your research on that. So I was always I have a stable lakes that I fished and I've always looked I was always looking for new waters and new places to go and and uh, doing research into those. And I would just go and travel and. And, you know, you use your skill set to try to catch them at different times of year and and do that. And that's and that's really what happened. It, I mean, some of the easy lakes went away, but you just evolved to say, OK, it's going to take, a, you know, a two days to get a show done or two and a half days to get a show done, which in many cases is normal. But it would be, you know, you just go to different waters and and. You know, some of those lakes, you know, five or six bodies of water that I used to rely on early on when I filmed my show, I haven't fished them in 10 years because yeah. they're not what they were. And and I don't even want to go fish them for fun, quote unquote, because, you know, I've got too many. They're not what they were. Yeah. They're not what it was. <laughs> yeah. And so it's yeah. kind of like, yeah. you know, I mean, I remember fishing Lake Vermilion in Minnesota in around 1990. It was that that long ago, and I remember I was doing a television segment for Midwest Outdoors, which is the camera guy and I, and a DNR officer pulled up to me, and it could have been 89, I think it was like 1990, 91, and a DNR, Minnesota DNR guy pulled up to me and goes, what are you guys doing? And we told him we were filming the show. He's like, you know, you're the first musky guy I've ever met up here. 
And, and I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. He goes, so did you catch any? And I told him we caught a couple and he pointed me to a couple islands. He goes, yeah, did you go ever go check these islands out there? I'm like, none. Went down the shoreline of one of the islands after the guy left and I caught five. And then I went around another island cluster and caught like five more. It was just insane. Right. Right. And, and that lake was like, went from being one of the most incredible musky fisheries, the best topwater lake I ever fished. I really learned how to topwater like fish on this lake because you'd get 20 encounters a day with muskies, right? That's the best way to learn how to catch them when you have that many encounters with fish. And, uh, you know, and then I watched this fish grow up and get bigger and then thousands of people came and now it's like, you can still catch them, but it's a fickle trophy lake now. There's giants on there, but they're much, much harder to catch. You know, your, your expectations are, you're fishing for a bite a day, maybe a couple bites a day if you're lucky. And, you know, a lot of the guys are doing the live scope stuff and open water and doing all that. And and that's just a result of kind of the extreme techniques you, you have to evolve to. And I don't want to do that. I'm just going to go somewhere else. You know, that's really that what it is. Sounds nice. Um, so w- when you were doing that uh, early on, were you like, and I really want to make this show, but is this a double-edged sword and just creating more work for me because I've got a following now and I'm putting it all out there um, and all these people are showing up, but I still have to do my, I still want to do the TV show. What did, what did you, I'm sure you went down the road of battling that. Um, how yeah. Did you, uh, how'd you overcome? For me, I didn't, in a lot of places, I the one thing on on the show, and it's it's only the larger Canadian waters that I ever said where I was where I was at. So if you watch, and I got believe me, I got a lot of hate mail <laughs> from people about that. <laughs> oh, you know, we've, you know, we've we've seen it. I mean, you know, it, it's a it's a very small industry. Everybody knows everybody, and uh, yeah, we we can understand that. So I might say I'm in mail. northern Minnesota. Say I'm in northern Minnesota, right? Or I'm in northern Wisconsin, or uh, I'm in northern Illinois. But people could kind of figure out maybe where they think it is, and and that because to, you know to me the show, is, and and I tell Muskie, you know, and I honestly believe that it's not just a, it's not about the where, right? It's it's about the how, you know, and knowing how to catch them, the skills that you develop. I, I mean, you know, I've, I've fished with a lot of great musky fishermen across the country and they all have many, you know, the similar skill set and I could go place them at any of these lakes and they're going to go catch them, you know, and, and <laughs> so it's not about, you know, musky, this is not rocket science that, that we're talking about, you know, with, with these catching muskies, anybody can do it, you put the time in, you learn some basic fundamentals, you stick to it and you put an effort into it and you get better. And and, it, and so it's not about the lake name. It's not about the lake access. You know, I mean, those are great. You know, if you can find a lake that no one's in, I'm all about that too. But the reality is it's not just about the lake. It's really getting your skills and honing those to get better. You know, and it's not just one bait. You know, it is, there's a lot of things that come together to make, make it successful. And musky fishing, as you all know, you know, it's not, you know, everyone, you know, the, everything's trended towards, oh, they're looking for a hot bait or people are looking for a new magic lake. And, you know, that's almost like turning back the clock 30 years ago to where musky fishing used to be when you're chasing that, when the reality is that it's, you just need to get better in your full skill set and understand how they how they relate to a lake, how the muskies move at different times of year, what bait they're following, and then, you know, how to run the boat and then what lure selection and what are the best tools for the given thing. If you need to go through all that stuff plus time management and work on that to get better yeah and that, that's probably how that that's probably how a, a musk someone's already musky fishing would look at the show but in you know today's day and age the way things are changing the internet the computer i think that like there's more people like where is that where's that lake i want to go go there mm-hmm. because oh they absolutely you know, are that, that that that's the that's the new trend rather than you know fishing all these lakes or going on you know traveling and doing tournaments or just traveling to new lakes and said we're going to do our method here and we're going to see if it works right right i mean i think that's true i mean it really if you if you go and you you know you're going to go fish a lake with a bunch of other anglers and do the same thing they are your expectation should be that you're going to do just what everybody else is right it's you know do you want to be a pioneer and like you said go take your trolling techniques and bring them to some place in the Midwest or Canada that where these fish haven't been exposed to it. It's like fishing a new lake. 
when they do that. Yes. I, I yes. mean, yes. I mean, I remember going to Ohio and learning some of the shorter line, the shad bait trolling stuff in Ohio. And I brought that back to my waters, like on the Fox chain. And it was unbelievable. And heck, yeah. I remember when you and Dale won that tournament there on the Fox chain, um, doing that with, with, with Wiley's on one of, one of the more shallow lakes that no one even fished. Right. I Right. And you guys are fishing it alone. It wasn't the quote unquote popular lake. And I was so glad that we talked about it afterwards because I have that lake for five years by myself after it. Thanks to you guys. So I really appreciate that. Yeah. 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 That's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. That's, that's, that's but the, the, it's the, the how that you're talking about. It's like not what you're capable of, but it's what you're willing to do uh, at these lakes and, you know, Todd and Dale were comfortable with, well, we're in this, we're in the new situation here. We have to start somewhere. We're going to use what we're comfortable with uh, and set some lines and we're going to go at it, learn this damn thing. And you guys developed a, a, a pattern after that. I, I think it's just like an incredible trailblazing story uh, to see, you know, these two guys on this boat that's creating a wake going fast. People are like, what the heck is this? What is, what are these two motors on this boat? Uh, and then how the hell did they win that tournament as well? Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, it, and, it, and it was a classic thing. You're bringing someone, you know, as a different skill set into a new area. And they're just saying, oh, well, this is kind of like at home. This like, let's try this. And boom. And all of a sudden you get success and it works. And that still goes on today. You know, I mean, I, I tell <laughs> anglers all the time, they don't always believe me that that, that can happen. You know, I, you know, I, I go, heck, I go to fish a place like Lake of the Woods with a, you know, a, a double 10 bladed bucktail and you go to different portions of the same lake and some of the resort owners like, oh no, they don't bite those over here. And I'm <laughs> like, okay, you know, yeah. let, let me, do, you throw what you throw what you want. I'm just going to throw this bait that I've caught them in every other portion of the lake. And then two spots in, you know, I'm holding one in my hand, right? It's just yep. the way it is. And it's just, it's just people, you get set in your ways and that's great. But I always tell people one of the ways you can find your own lake axes, take the lures that you're confident in and fish the, the techniques that you do and catch them. I remember fishing, winning the Raleigh and Helens muskie tournament, fishing open water, um, you know, suspended muskies, casting for them and being the only boat doing it that tournament out of 150 boats that we won. Maybe there was another one other boat that might've been doing it or two, maybe the last couple hours. Cause we caught a couple of muskies over the yeah, couple days. Yeah. But, and then, you know, and now look how it's evolved. People have taken the open water thing and, and it's turned into a, you know, with the live scope where it's, it, you know, there's a whole new, te- the, the technology realm has come in where they're taking it. So, Hey, you don't need to aimlessly drift or randomly troll throughout these basins. These guys are actually searching them out and can see them with the right technology and, and catch them. It's very interesting to say the least. You know, so. Yeah. So going back to the PMTT, I mean, I don't know if everybody knows, but you and uh, Tim and Larry Mzell were the original founders, 1999. And I know you were involved for a couple of years and then Tim took it over. Uh, you know, that's another, I mean, that's, that's another part. You were, a founder of the PMTT, the magazine. Yeah, know. so yeah, right. So really, Tim and Tim and Tim and his dad and Larry really founded it, right? And then, okay. and Tim was constantly calling me. He'd be like, because he knew obviously I was a musky head like you and everybody else, right? And and he'd be asking me questions. And so we and I had fished a bunch of musky tournaments throughout the yeah. years, even before the PMTT started, and was fortunate enough to have one several of them during it. And so he would call me, you know, what do you think about this rule or that rule or this? And so we became really good friends. We laughed a lot. And and, uh, and then I came down and he's like, hey, why don't you come watch this one? And I did. And we had a good time. And and then he actually said, you know, you ought to come on as a partner and because I'm calling you and bothering you all the time anyhow. So, and I did. And, and it was yeah. great. And I had a lot of fun with all the guys and doing all that for years. And then as the magazine got bigger and the television show was going, I just didn't have time to kind of do that. And Tim just kept with it and rolled with it from there and is still going at it. But yeah, it was interesting early on going from when we had, you know, the big controversy at the very beginning of the PMTT was musky transport, right? Oh, you cannot, don't transport any of these muskies anywhere. And then we had 
judge boats on the water and there was concerns about fish being in the net too long with judge boats and now it's evolved into all the digital you know in, you know photos and uh, the bump boards and all that and getting all the you know having it so it's yeah. all evolved but you know as well it's, from there and so it, they can actually go to larger waters and that really changed that changed that whole circuit as well yeah and you you brought up the biggest point that i you know i tell people when did all the guys that I fish with, you know, do you know when you get comfortable with doing something? So when, what, like when Dale and I signed up and we're like, we're going to do this. I had friends that like that live here, Western PA or you know New York, and they're like, oh my gosh, you guys aren't going to be able to compete on that PMTT. You know, uh, you know these guys are all pros or whatever. And I was like, you know, and of course Dale and I were just we're going to say we're going to try to do what we do, and see if it works. And we made it work, uh, right. or and a lot of people did. I mean, that's the thing. You don't have to go. You can't let. You know how many lakes that we went to where we're like, there's no trolling bite here. And I'm, you know, Dale and I would sit there and talk. What are they talking about? These fish are eating. Mm-hmm. They don't whether the baits they rolled past it or it's a live bait. You know, or you go to a lake and it's like they don't hit big baits in here. Look at this one mm-hmm. I caught on a 16 inch sucker yesterday. Wait, that makes <laughs> right. sense. you know what I mean? It- it is all true. I mean, it was like, true. it was almost like there was an imaginary line. I used to joke yeah. about it being taking Lake St. Clair and going and trying a north-south line from Lake St. Clair, right? Yeah. And everything, everybody east of Lake St. everybody west of Lake St. Clair who grew up where I did in the Midwest. How, we grew up musky fishing. You, you took your rod, you duct taped your hand to your rod, and you cast a yeah. bucktail till your arm fell off, right? That was musky yeah. fishing. You guys on the east end, put your rod in your hand and you ran, you started trolling until you ran out of gas, right? That's how you, you guys learned how to yeah. musky fish, right? But, yeah. yeah. and so anybody who think, and, but, and, and that's, you know, you know, I'm joking about both techniques. Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. a troller too. And, and yeah. there's so much involved, but the point being, you were able to come to the Midwest and all these guys that knew nothing about trolling had very naive thinking there wasn't that much involved. We're just, you know, you, you just can roll them over with all the information you get. And likewise, Heck, I remember going and fishing some of those lakes out east in Ohio or in Pennsylvania, Kentucky, where those fish were used to seeing troll baits. And I'm like, oh, look at that little flat. Let me twitch a six-inch minnow bait up here. Absolutely. A little gram yeah. bait. I'm like, oh, my God, they'd never seen that in their life. It was amazing. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's a total opposite. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I, a lot of our lakes do not see much casting pressure. And then Vance mm-hmm. is going to tell you, I mean, those are some of our best days fishing locally here you know you can have some of your best days because and you can tell people how'd you do You've got eight today oh cast yeah and they're like oh congratulations never mind and they go yeah and they set their rods you know right. just, they do it i don't do that we're not pulling these six rods in i'm not putting that effort in so you know those are some of our favorite days around here are the good casting days but uh oh, yeah it's just uh it's, it's all it that's that's great great information like to just say you know don't be afraid of what the information from locals is great but you know oh there's no trolling bite here they don't hit big baits or you know you can't mm-hmm. cast that here where they're all trolling no they're they're muskies they're eating they don't know what they're eating if they're there you can get them both ways and sometimes you fishing doing the opposite of what everybody does <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I think I think there's a whole, you know, if you whatever your favorite techniques are, wherever you live throughout the musky range, trying to find waters in different portions of the musky range that are similar to ones you're used to fishing the way they're made up and then just going and applying those techniques there. It's, it's a formula in itself for success. Right. You you truly are finding your own lake X because, like you said, people just aren't fishing your way. You know? yeah. And uh and it's just, it's, it's, you know, I, I think it's, it's definitely a method for success. Speaking of the Lake X, I, I was, I was thinking, you know, you have, you talked about your stable of lakes that, that you're like, <laughs> these are your, like your go-tos, but you're always chasing that Lake X. Is there, you don't, if there is, don't say it, but is there any left or is it pretty much all discovered? Well, it's all relative terms, and meaning that I, I would say, yeah, there's uh, there are lake X's, right? There are, you know, there are lakes that I fish that still that some that I don't put on the television show, 
um, a few that I have had on the show that, you know, throughout the years that not many, still not many anglers fish. I, I mean, they're not known by the masses. I mean, it's like I go fish for three, four days there. I might see one other boat or two other boats. And those kind of situations to me, those are still lakes that have not the fish behave differently right they they're not coming in and biting on a figure eight they bite away from the boat if you're trolling they bite the first bait through you know those are all telltale signs of fish that haven't been exposed to heavy fishing pressure right and and i so some of those do exist and uh and um a lot of them from what i, what I tell people one of the seat one of the keys to finding them and a lot of them still are in canada you know in there because they're more remote but Take a look at a popular musky lake and then think about what creeks flow out of those lakes and then what are the immediately immediate downstream bodies of water from those or adjacent bodies of water from those that are smaller and quite often those are sleepers because even smaller Canadian waters are much bigger than the lakes we all have at home in the U.S. But throughout years fish migrate downstream they maybe get relocated they maybe they somehow got stuck in in these adjacent waters and there are many sleeper lakes that are still that hold big muskies you know 50 inch plus muskies in a lot of canadian waters that don't have a large number of anglers that fishing them and uh and likewise even all across canada if you think about it for those of you like out east that troll no one's fishing a lot of the stuff after early to mid-September. So, I, I, I mean, you can have, you know, there, there are so many places all throughout Canada, an example, where you're going to, you can have the water, what bright is that, frozen, right? But from middle of September to middle of October or, or the end of October, even early November until, until ice up, you could have a lot of these, even these larger lakes almost to yourself. And uh, it's just taking the time to go do it and those fish behave differently when they're not exposed to that many boats on them so yeah that's solid advice right there i mean uh you know i i like i've just kind of all, all these stories I've, i'm putting it you know I, I have little mud puddles compared to like you know any lakes that you would even be halfway considered a lake the the pressure just in the last 10 or 15 years just like holy smokes like i don't even want to touch them like it is so bad anymore, but I guess that, you know, that's good for the sport, but you know, I like to go out there and not be bothered. Yeah. Right. You have to start fishing them at really oddball times, right? You got to do the really early, really late stormy conditions, different times of year. It's just, yeah, it, it's, you have to you, be successful in those waters besides being really good at your boat control and your technique. You just have to be able to, it's kind of like survivor right you gotta like outwit outlast those outplay. people and go a different time outplay them right you really have to think about okay well what is everybody else going to do here that i'm going to do that's different that not everybody in the brother or sister is out there doing right so yeah what's it what's it like to have a cameraman watching you the whole time does it, does it take a little is it i mean obviously after like 16 seasons you're you're a little used to it but was it weird <laughs> yeah you know, it's well, I, I think that um, I, I'm pretty fortunate that, that I had a lot of practice, like I said, doing those segments for Midwest Outdoors throughout the years and and then guest hosting on other shows. So I got a lot of I got I got more used to doing that. And then, you know, you do seminars, you're kind of used to being in front of. Us. So it didn't bother me as much. You know, I mean, I feel like I, I hope I got better throughout the years on camera doing it. But, you know, it was a little unnerving. The biggest thing, it's not the camera operator being there filming because you know like anything else you fish a couple spots or if you play anybody plays any sports right in the big game you're always hyped up but then five or ten minutes in you're just focusing on what you're doing right and you kind of relax and do it and, and it's no different from doing that but what what the real difference is is that there's a lot more involved to filming a fishing show on a given day it's not just fishing on the water right so you you know, I mean, a camera operator can only last so many days, right? He, I'm so many hours in a day. It, you know, you and we may all want to go out and fish a 14-hour day. Well, yeah. I'm going to tell you, if your boss said, hey, can I come in? Can you come in and work a 14-hour day tomorrow? Are you good with that and get yeah. paid your normal rate? You're probably yeah. going to say, you know, I'm, I, I, 
you know, I hurt my arm. I'm out. I'm, <laughs> you know, you know, you're yeah. gonna, some excuses coming, right? So, so they have limited time that they because that they can survive because you know it's not their dream to be on the water filming fishing shows, right? They're camera operators. They're doing their it's they're, they're one day they're in a on a boat, next day they could be in some ballroom filming filming some executive, or the next day filming a sporting event. Right? They do all those. So, um, so the so part of it is you know you've got to set your time when you think it's best going to work in a reasonable time frame. And then, you know, there's prep work to get the cameras ready. Every time you pull up to the spot, is your sound and your microphones properly? Oh, you need to replace a battery. Oh, we got to adjust the mic. You got, you know, every single time you stop to go cast a new spot, there's that adjustment that takes place. Again, maybe it's only a minute or two, but it happens every single spot you go to. Yes. Right. And then and you've oh, got you to adjust for the light, right? You got to, oh, it's raining. Hey, you can't take the camera out in the pouring rain. <laughs> I have a camera cover for it, but what, what about if I told you, take your laptop, put it in a plastic bag and go sit out in the boat in the pouring rain and just start working on your laptop. How comfortable are you going to feel about that? Cause it will go down, right? And yeah. the camera can go down and then you're shot. So, so you have to dodge storms. You have to think about wind because you don't want to destroy your camera gear and you got to think about, you know, so my point being that, if it's a 10 hour day that you, or an eight hour day that you're normally fishing, there's a couple hours of stuff that goes on during that day when the camp where you're not fishing, you're working on all the technical portions of making the show look right, making it sound right, making it look right. And, uh, and that's, that's a big part. And then plus there's other things we film, right? I, it's blah, 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 musky, right? You know, everybody here, you know, you know, and you're, you, you catch a fish and they're trying to get, once you catch one, they're trying to get other shots of you casting in that light conditions to make things match. And so even in the middle of a hot bite, when you catch one, the camera guys are like, stop, I need you to get this shot and this shot and this shot. And you're like, but I want to catch another no, one. No, I've got to put it right now. Right, yeah. right, right. And so you're trying to do it. So you have that internal struggle of, I put it this way, if I didn't have the camera guy, I would always catch more on any given day. There's okay. no question. The camera guy results in me catching fewer muskies every day on the water because it's less time and it's often less time when they're biting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. That B roll stuff is killing you. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know, and, and I, and believe me, we go at my camera guys and I for the years have had times you go at it, you know, when a really tough fight, when all of a sudden we catch one, and he's like, I need to get this. I'm like, you get it while we're fishing because you get this window's, <laughs> yeah, this, this window is, I'm hoping the window lasts watched, a half hour. Yeah. We can get one more, right? We need yeah. one more today. And, yeah, you, and just you, know me, you just yeah. watched me and filmed for six hours. I got to go now. <laughs> right, right. Because I know, right, yeah. the next 15 minutes, the mm-hmm. moon set, whatever it is that's going on. And, and, and they're good about that, too. So, yeah. yeah, there's been a few of those battles in the boat. Yeah. Or, you know, and, uh, but it, it is a lot of fun, but it is stressful. It's much like tournament fishing a lot because the yeah. decisions you make on the water impact what you do. I mean, if you don't catch fish, you don't get a show. Yeah. You know, camera guy gets paid, but you don't get the show done. You know, so, and, you know, you think about it, if you're on the, you know, one of the things on, any, on, on the water whenever we're fishing one of the big elements is time management. You know, how long do you fish this spot? Do you go do something else? Do you switch? When do you switch patterns from doing this to doing that? Those are all big time decisions, and 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 filming is no different. You know, in a tournament, you might say, "Well, I'm going to do this," and but if I go leave this spot, will someone else come fish it? Or and and those are tough calls you got to make. The same thing. You're like, well, if I keep fishing all day, I only need one more fish today to get the show done. If I keep drifting this flat, I know sometime today I'm going to get one bite. And then after like two hours, like, oh, this sucks. This is not going to work. I need to go do something else. Where am I going to go? And then you're like, but no, no, what do I need? I need to just, need and so one well, I yep. need one. And so then you're like, okay, I'll stick with it. Two more hours. Boom. You get the one. You're like, okay, now let's go play and do something else. Right. And, yeah. and go there. So that stuff I have to deal with a lot, but it's, it's what makes it fun though. It really is. It's, you know, yeah. yeah. That's, that's a, that's a different level there having to. After, yeah, I mean, actually, there's not really all that many people that that are you know can explain it the way you just did. I mean, back back when GoPros were just starting, I you know I put one on my head and stuff. And I'm like, man, I, I'm making great videos. And you watch me, like, oh my gosh, this is awful. Who would want to watch this? 
And yeah, it's Blair Witch. Yeah, it's right, it's you know? terrible. <laughs> I do not like the GoPros. No, because Greg Thomas outed you on that. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I never let him live that down though. Uh, hey Jim, well, how many days would you say you fish? Uh, you know, with a full time job and still running a great production show, um, are you just fishing uh, during filming, or do you yeah. go out on your own? It's mostly just fishing during filming, you know, or doing a sponsor event or something like that. It's not, there's not a lot of day, fun, fun days, you know, and I've got a family and I got other obligations. So that's part of it, you know. So, you know, I would say that historically I would, you know, I, I maybe get, you know, five days a year that are quote unquote fun fishing for me where there's no, I'm not doing anything that's obligated to it, that, you know, that, that I, you know, that I, but I don't have to do anything other than fishing, I would say. Do you have any level of guilt when you're fun fishing? No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. People are like, people are like, oh, don't you, don't you wish you had the camera when you got to I'm like, nope. Uh-uh. Nope. Yep. It, it, it's, you know, I, it is, you know, just like anything else. It's, it's really, really nice to, to go out and, and not have to, I mean, I'm still, my goals are still, I'm still trying to catch them. You know, I want to catch as many as fast as I can and as big as I can, that's still what drives me. But I'm like, you know what? It's, it, I really feel very free quite often. Uncensored. Decision-making. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, Hey, lost one. I can say whatever I want to say and I can go back and just turn right around and no one's going to tell me, wait a second. No, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's no good. Can't use that one, Jim. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna have to censor this sentence out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why. Are you in the middle of uh, filming a season right now? Yeah, we're. I'm filming a bunch of shorter stuff too. Yes, I've been filming stuff off and on, you know, and uh, and just keep working on it. So, so do you film the? Uh... Like, will you film this year and then release it the next year? Like, yeah. The, so uh, historically, okay. yeah, historically, how it works is we film from usually starting in late April, early May. Sometimes in the, you know, depending on the spring, you know, and really later in May, all the way till early to mid November is the season. You know, let's you know, and then and then we're editing shows. You know, and the shows usually air. The new episodes always air January through March, and they go from there. So, are you doing your own editing? No, 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 no. I have I have professional <laughs> editors. I, I do not. I I do not know how to edit anything. I barely know how to operate a camera. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. That's, I just that's a yeah. big job in musky fishing. There would be a lot of editing. Yeah, no, I, a lot I, of waiting. I have. Yeah, I I um. You know, I kind of put the put the elements of the show together on a timeline. Like here, here's the sequence of when the fish go and when the various talking points fit together. And I let my editor know that, and then she tapes it and puts it all together and, and emails me an episode to draft a review and I review it and comment on it and give it back to her. And then she redoes it electronically and I do it, and then that's it. And then they send it to the station. So yeah, I. I stick with the fishing and kind of the producing and how are we going to catch them? What's the show going to be like? And if I focus on that and my camera operators focus on getting a good picture and making sure it sounds right in the boat and getting all the elements and B-rolls together. And then I have the editor that focuses on making it look pretty and making me look good and all my guests look good. That's the way, it, that's the best formula. I, I, there are other people who are good editors and know how to do all that. And I, I just don't, and I've just never had the desire for it. I, 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 I just want to go catch muskies and that. And I, yeah. You know, I, right I don't on. want to sit in. An, I don't want to sit in an editing editing studio. That's just not me. So. Right so on. Where, where? I mean, do you even know where? Like, where does the show air? Uh, wh- yeah. When you bring them out over the winter, what channel? Yeah, so it airs on CBS Sports now nationally, network mm-hmm. nationally. And then, you know, it usually and it airs there. And so most people can get it there. It airs on um, Fox Sports North. Well, now it's called Bally Sports North, which is all throughout Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Dakota. And then NBC Sports Chicago. And there's another network called Outdoor America. 
and it airs on Outdoor America. In fact, Outdoor America airs like previous seasons. And so many people who have television can be on Outdoor America and they can they can watch it Outdoor America and they can see previous seasons right now via the TV. Or if you've got if you have a Samsung smart TV now, you can you can stream Outdoor America as their own channel. It's on all those. I mean Yeah. And uh and then it's on and and I, I put some old episodes on YouTube. Um, so, I mean, you know, Outdoor America even has their own uh, app you can use it. So there's lots of ways you can get it and stream and, and watch the different, yeah. you know, different episodes. And I'm trying to do more shorter stuff for the social media content. And I'm going to put more of that on YouTube. A lot more of that's going to be coming out. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to try to do more of that for everybody. So just, that seems to be what a lot of more people want to see. So, and it's more accessible. So I'm going to, kind of move with the times a little bit and do more of that. Great. Right on. Uh, one last question for me. Uh, I still watch the show. I, I, I sift through the episodes that I want to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and my favorite episodes are the ones that you do with Tom Sullivan. And uh, my, gra- my great friend uh, also when when we comes up and fishes with me, we, we rerun and watch those episodes. How did you meet Tom? You guys are hilarious on a boat together, educational. Uh, we just really really enjoy those shows. And, and if anybody has not seen them, watch those couple. They're they, you always get big ones, and uh, it's always a hoot and hollering time. Yeah. So Tom is a really good friend of mine. We've known each other for probably thirty years or so, and maybe even longer. And we, uh, we met through Joe Booker back after college when we were young, both working after school. And, and we, uh, we were, we were both, we met through Joe, through friends through Joe, we fished together a couple times. And then Tom and I went to Canada together on a couple Canada trips, we went to Lac Sewell when, right. It was, we, it wasn't before the, you know, Lac Sewell got really popular in the late eighties, early nineties. And it was kind of like discovered and there were a lot of giant muskies that got caught and got killed out of there. And then they made a catch and release. And so when it was catch and release, Tom and I went up there and, and we caught some, a few big fish and we started fishing together. And then lots of other boats showed up a couple of years later. And then the only way we could catch them was going out at night and it was very sketchy, but anyhow, we decided that, you know, we, wanted to go find new stuff right we wanted to catch big fish together tom is uh his mentality is he only wants to fish for trophy muskies right so if you if you told tom here's your choice you're going to go fishing for 21 straight days and i'll give you 21 40 inchers or 150 incher what do you want and he's like i'll want 150 incher i don't care about any of the other stuff it's just it's his mentality you know he's like i only want to catch big ones i don't care you know he goes he's just jaded and but but it's great because you know people talk about wanting to catch a trophy muskie and you need a mentality that that's what your goal is right it's like i want to catch a 40 pounder i want to catch a 50 pounder i want i want one like that that's what i want i don't need to get my string pulled or have the rod go off I, i want to catch a big one so in the early 90s, we said, all right, we're going to go fish, start fishing eastern Ontario and and different parts of western, and we're just going. It's going to be him and I, either our brothers and our dads, and that's it. And so we just started in around 1990, you know, started fishing and investigating new waters together. And we caught a lot of big muskies together. We went to a lot of areas that were busts. But we went to a lot of areas that became Lake X's and we took our dads and our brothers and we didn't talk about any of the fish we caught. We even to the resort owners, usually it was they'd ask us, how'd you do? And we like didn't catch anything. But we'll book again next year. Right. So, <laughs> you know, and uh, and we had a couple of situations where we had some Polaroid pictures that were that we had stacked up a big fish we caught. And we've had resort owners that, you know, that you said you know happened to be cleaning the room and go i saw those big pictures what were those well those are big pike big pike we caught at your resort you know and uh and we did that so tommy and i really became friends and we fished together and focused on catching big ones together and and we fish a lot alike and 
and so I think if people on TV see a lot of the banter because we've been friends for such a long time and 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 when you know when we're not when I'm not filming and doing it it's kind of like yeah I, Tom and I want to be fish together because we have the same mentality about what we want to do you know and what kind of motivates us in musky fishing do a whole season with them <laughs> yeah 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 i don't know i don't know i might i might have to kill him if that was the case or maybe he'd kill me you know from there you know and uh but it but it would be fun yes right. i like it todd I, I todd do you have anything you want to wrap up with because i'm i'm done oh. just like vance we're good it was fun that was a great uh great episode that was great talk yeah uh, thanks for coming on it was wonderful. Yeah, no, I always enjoy talking with you. It's all good. It was very fun. I, you know, it's uh, it's fun to relive some of that history that uh, that uh, went in, and and it's all changed. But in many ways, it changed for the better. I mean, people who want to become musky anglers, it's much easier to get on, get up the learning curve, and learn more about it. I only t- my only caution to people and they're watching all the YouTube videos is that, you know, there's a lot of really really bad techniques that are out there on on a lot of the YouTube what things. a lot of a lot of You're real kidding. bad stuff you know that there's a lot of sui- there's a lot of suicide fit muskies that bite people's lures and, yeah. uh, which i know they would never bite mine if i did that you know so <laughs> and i can't i can't say which ones are really good or bad all the time because i don't, don't all i know is i see some of them and i and i'm like oh boy but uh but so yes you can learn a lot you can also learn a lot of bad techniques so that's all I can tell you. So. I like it. I, I appreciate you taking time to, to sit down with us for about this hour. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's been great. Thank you. Sure. Anytime. All right. And uh, with that, I want to thank Fat AZ Muskie Products, Muddy Creek Fishing Guide, St. Croix Rods, Ranger Boats, Vicks Marine, and Aqua Traction. All right, guys. Uh, everyone, thanks for listening. Good luck fishing. <laughs>